Welcome to Ecaterex Solar and Storage Podcast. Uh, today we have Alex Lapore, the Regional Southwest Sales Manager. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Renee. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Today we're going to talk uh, all about storage. Uh, there's so many different aspects uh, that we can delve into that I thought today it would be fun to really start with kind of the history, uh, really where we've come. I mean, we're in the LFP arena right mm-hmm. now, uh, but storage, uh, you know, we've, we've been using storage for a long time yeah. and have seen it evolve. So how long have you been with working at storage? So it's coming up on my four-year anniversary, um, and even in just the well, thank you. Even just in the past four years, I've seen storage grow immensely from chemistry changes, sizes of energy storage, um, and then even on the other side, different incentives, rebate programs for energy storage. Just in the last four years, so imagine in just four years, it's changed so dramatic dramatically. And you know, if you look. 10 years or even 15 years ago when some of the first batteries were getting installed. Uh, it's a completely different world from what we're used to, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we were doing uh, battery-based systems before, it was either you were off-grid yeah. or you were grid type and yeah. with no batteries. And uh, now it, now with most systems that we're selling, if it is a grid type system, they're either getting storage now yeah. or they're getting their system uh, for storage in the future. And right. So it's going to be battery-ready. Right. But uh, it's it's so much uh, more uh, sleek. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, like lifting those heavy batteries and getting like where there are hundreds of pounds yeah. of per battery and having to water them and uh, you know they're gaseous and so you had so many different concerns that now uh, really aren't as much of a concern. So you still get some people that are concerned, right. you know, concerned about thermal runaway right, and right. things like that. So. Uh, But you, uh, Fortress, uses a different kind of cell. Right. It's lithium iron phosphate as a chemistry, then it's a prismatic cell. And, you know, not one battery or one chemistry works for everything out there. You know, whether you're living off the grid or you're trying to avoid high rates during peak times, or you just want to have something to back up your home or business, there's not one chemistry out there to do it all, quite frankly. Now, lithium iron phosphate, which is what Fortress is using, definitely has a lot of those boxes checked off. But you'll definitely still see lead-acid batteries and some off-grid scenarios where temperature might be a concern, for example. Or, you know, especially lithium cobalt is very popular in EVs because you need a very dense battery to power that car and get it from point A to point B. So, you know, LFP is definitely the gold standard at the moment. Um, But that's not to say that these other chemistry batteries, ranging even back to like your flooded lead-acid, for example, can't still give you value just depending on, you know, where you are in your own life or your own business, whatever that is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we have a lot of people that uh, still use lead acid because they have an EMP hardened inverter. Oh, I see. And uh, they want to be able to have storage, you know, in the event of anything, uh, whether, whether it be utility shutoffs or a possible EMP event, solar flare. Uh, in lead acid, uh, there's no communications. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a tried and true battery system that will be available for when you need it. Uh, kind of bulky and you have no space for it again, but, uh, you know, yeah, people are still buying them. Do you think you've seen the size of like an overall off-grid system get bigger throughout the years? Just as like prices come down and different things fall into place. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, that, I mean, it's been huge. So, I mean, back, uh, you know, I, I've been working in solar and storage for, I'm coming up on 11 years. Congratulations. Actually. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It made me feel old a little bit. <laughs> oh, <stop. laughs> 
but it's been really fun because you've seen that complete transition. And right. with off-grid systems, uh, it used to be a pretty small, you know, like a couple hundred amp hours was considered a pretty large system. And, you know, having like anywhere between 16 and 24 panels was a good size. Right. Now, you know, people are are doing quite a bit more, you know, so they're looking at 16 to 30 kW uh, PV systems for an off-grid home. Um, you know, and it depends. Like, if it's a vacation home, it's still going to be more moderate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the overall residential size, it just overall has yeah. increased. Well, a lot of the technology's also gotten a lot smarter, I would imagine. Um, you know, in your tenure in, in renewables, I'm sure you've seen the technology get better. You have this increase in communications. You know, my belief would be in the next, you know, in the next five, 10 years, then you start seeing these, this technology communicate with your home. You know, then you have a true smart home kind of deal, um, which I think with how the EV market is with, for example, like the Ford Lightning with batteries, solar, and then something like a smart load management where that person can control what loads, you know, maybe all of our homes become microgrids and almost off the grid like they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's just in a different way. I mean, yeah, no, 100 percent. And that's where we're already headed too. I mean, right. so Solar has uh, their, um, their smart panel yeah, that's yeah. going to be coming to market. There's another company uh, called Span mm-hmm. that yeah. does that, something similar. And they're using AI for artificial intelligence so it'll tell your loads when the most opportune time is for them to run if you if you program it that way that is uh to make sure that you're paying a a lower amount per kilowatt hour or using your storage to supplement that load consumption versus the utility right so i mean it's it is game changing it's kind of it's like that old sci-fi movie house uh, yeah. where everything comes to life, <laughs> but, you know, hopefully in a good way. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's so much more common now, whereas before, like it just, it was expensive and it's still, I mean, it's not cheap by right. any means. And it is like, it's going to be one of the larger investments that you make, but with uh, the utility intermittent outages and, not only that, but the price per kilowatt hour just continuing to increase. Right. And it went up like almost 10% uh, in California last week. Right. That's yeah. Amazing. We were seeing that a lot of these utilities, they are losing money, you know, especially with, especially since California where net metering was very popular, you know, over the past 10, 15 years. And now they're losing money. So now, you know, you know, we know all about M3.0. We were at the rally together yep. to know what they're trying to do to offset some of these systems that have been in place and change their business approach because they are technically a business um, no matter how you look at it in a way. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, California usually sets the market and then it moves east. But I'm already seeing from my eastern folks back home in areas like Georgia and Delaware where they're already adopting a time of use rate and charging you during peak times. So it is only, is it only a matter of time before they say, hey, no more met, met metering in the U.S.? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, luckily, uh, you know, because of our rallying and no doubt from our efforts getting out there with everyone else uh, in yeah. L.A. Uh, uh, in January. But um, uh, they pushed it off for the time being, yes. at least in California, so that, you know, call it a win. Uh, you know, <laughs> huge win, huge win. That big is, sign definitely did some work. Yeah, I mean, it really, it, it did. It worked. Yeah. I mean, they pushed it off for for now. 
but then we saw the increase. So, I mean, they're still going to get their money. Uh, they're increasing it by 9%. And it'd be interesting to see for time of use rate schedules, you know, 9%, you know, on 30 cents a kilowatt hour versus, you know, 11 cents or 13 cents a kilowatt hour, you know, and your usage times are really going to be much more impactful right. than it was even, you know, a few weeks or a few months ago. Right. So, you know, we're seeing a very high level of adoption. I like seeing, especially in our industry, that, you know, you have a lot of that information go out there. And I, you know, if you would ask me five, six years ago, you know, why does this matter to me? I wouldn't have, I would not have had an answer for you. But now being in the industry, some of these things, although they seem, oh, well, you know, that's in California or that's in this state, that's not going to affect me here. More likely than not, it may affect you. You know, that's what I'm kind of understanding is that we're much more interconnected than we, we may believe that we are. So it's one of those things from my point of view as a battery manufacturer, you know, providing that education and that information upon, you know, what is a battery good size? How do you want to use a battery? How is your utility company going to treat this battery? Because um, ultimately, you know, if I were going to be buying a battery, I would be doing my research on some of these things. And that's something that you do very well is educating these folks on why do I need a battery? What size battery do I need? Why is this important? How do I scale this up? X, Y, and Z. See what I mean? Yeah, and you really have to. I mean, education uh, is at the most basic part of it is also the most important part right. because you want to make sure that what you're getting is is going to run and be used how you need it to be run and uh, how you're going to use it. And some people, um, you know, and not to say that there's any bad companies out there. There's certainly ones that I think will steer you in a better direction or maybe be a little bit more intuitive to your needs. But as the homeowner, there's really, there's a level of responsibility that ultimately does fall on them to make sure that, okay, the information is here. They provided the accurate details and is not being found out later. Oh yeah, I have a, a huge wall pump that I plan on kicking onto the system and that's not going to be a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you want to make sure that the level of detail that, you know, that they're providing and that you're asking for it really coincides with the system that they get and uh, and then it makes the investment worthwhile. Right. So, having independent energy now is is pretty critical. I mean, it's probably from a lot of the things that are happening in the news as well, but it's just driving our market right. so quickly. Everyone that I talk to right now is just uh, not only super busy, but um, you know, people people seem to be kind of um, you know pedaling really quickly to catch up as well. Right. Uh, you know. What you had mentioned that you had a, a couple of webinars that you're able to find now. Do you think are those more directed for homeowners or installers? Kind of like that's a, a good question. A little bit of everything, you know, because okay. we do have installer specific webinars to help with the technical side of installing batteries with solar and proper sizing. But there are definitely webinars um, that you can find on our website meant for the homeowners, speaking to what you need to do on your end for sizing, right? Understanding your critical load panel, understanding this is how a solar system is sized in a proper battery. And this is the kind of application or applications that we could set up the battery with. Because there are some applications, you know, whether it be a grid tied application and they're trying to avoid time of use rates, well, maybe it doesn't pan out financially for that person to discharge their battery from, let's say, 5 to 8 p.m., right? Mm -hmm. So there's so much information out there. And to answer your question, Fortress has both pieces of webinars, not only for the installer side, but also for 
the general person out there wanting to just kind of dive into it, right? Get a firsthand kind of spiel essentially on what a battery is, why it's important to them, and where where is this going to take them in the future? It's interesting, the Department of Energy released a report um, upon the growth of batteries over the next eight years. And by the end of this decade, batteries are going to grow over seven times That's from awesome. the installed capacity and stationary energy storage. So batteries are here and they're here to stay. Now, it's really going to be a question of how do people adapt? How do you and I adapt? How do these utility companies on the state level or even the federal level adapt to what we're seeing as a very fast growing industry just in the next nine years, mind you. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna, it's, it's probably gonna come very quickly. Time flies like, when you're having yeah, fun, so, it, you know. It does. <laughs> and uh, for sure, I mean, just like your guys' name, I kind of, I lean on you guys a lot from uh, an education perspective. Right. Thank you very much for the shirt, course, by the way. I, I feel very festive. Uh, Alex have brought this from uh, his recent travels in Hawaii yeah, uh, for me. And, Feeling very colorful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but um, what I was going to say is just um, for the uh, for the batteries and like our growing uh, fortress. Uh, you when I use you for education, you guys make forty eight volt batteries, Correct. and it currently don't offer a twelve or twenty four volt option. And I bring this up a lot with our customer base, uh, just because a lot of people will just wire 12 volt batteries in series for either 24 volts or 48 40, volt system yeah. right. uh, because that's what you did with lead acid. Right. And so uh, coming from a battery manufacturer perspective, you know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, is that, you know, what are the reasons that we're doing it in that fashion versus, you know, wiring at the battery level? Yes. Well, wiring in series was a traditional motion lead acid because you could use lead acid a lot more, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, heavily, you know, you could really use that battery and kind of beat it up. And, you know, lead acid was very resilient to users using it, lying in in series. Now, lithium, it becomes a lot more dangerous when you start wiring in series because you are upping the voltage. And as you up voltage, you have more risk because you have more points of failure. You have more moving parts in your system. So that's why with Fortress, we do the 48 volt battery because it's more standard, especially with off-grid homes, for example. That's the format of how they want their system. But at the other side of it, it's a lot safer um, versus something like you know a 12 volt battery wired in series, where you have one big battery like our Evolt Max that you roll in and it's ready to install. So it's less points of failure, less room for error for that installation partner, um, and it's all it's also just a little bit nicer looking too. <laughs> you may, and it is. I, I have to agree with you there. Uh, you know, from a, just a, kind of like a, a devil's advocate perspective, okay. um, you know, because I agree wholeheartedly and we tell our customers this, but it seems like if the batteries all have a, their own battery management system, why can't you program it as the user and say, we're taking four 12-volt batteries and mm. we're going to wire them for a 48-volt configuration? like. Wouldn't the BMS just be able to communicate that uh, that to each other? Right, right. Well, there are different kinds of BMSs out there, and it'd be really important to read the warranty letter of that battery manufacturer, because in that warranty letter, there is definitely going to be something upon limitations or constrictions and wiring in series, wiring in parallel, um, would be my feedback to you on that. So making sure you're reading the warranty letter, mm. because that's really where, you know, you don't want to buy this battery and wire it in series, and then you figure out that the warranty you're not eligible for their 10-year warranty, for example. So that maybe be one of the things 
Um, I would say to it. Now, there's nothing saying that you can't do that. You can certainly do that. But I think for the longevity of the system and kind of just for your ease of mind with this battery being near your home, I would just put in a lot of that research and, you know, maybe work with like a licensed electrician or someone who is very familiar with wiring products in series because you can definitely do it. I'm not saying that you can in a BMS may or may not have communication, you know, depending if it's a MOSFET or a relay, but you want to make sure in the warranty letter, even if they are communicating, they may not warranty it, you know, yeah. so that'd be another side to it. But I don't know, we use a relay-based BMS and we like that because it does have that communication between you know, our units in parallel. There's no limitations. Now, not all BMSs are created equal, you know, the lead acid or another lithium with a MOSFET, typically they have restrictions on communication in, in many units in parallel just because of the differences in you know an automotive digital processor versus a MOSFET which would be just like a piece of circuitry. Does that answer your question? It, it definitely does and uh, we instruct our customers to go with the nominal battery voltage over system and find that in a battery right, storage right. Applica- uh, battery storage system as well. Uh, I mean even when you're wiring batteries in parallel with lithium you're using external busing and it makes right. sense because they need to charge and discharge at the same rate. So you're not wiring them in parallel at the battery level. Why would you wire them in series? But there's there's a lot of people that uh, may not be aware of that information or need some a little bit more guidance. So looking at the warranty though, uh, and just seeing if that's called out, there's a few that I'm going to look up after this <laughs> just to see if that information's out there. Well, you don't know what you don't know, you know, and right. what, you know, and products change and things like that. So if you have one product that maybe five years ago they did allow in series, but what if they went through, you know, instead of them using a MOSFET based did switch to relay and they do give you that, or maybe they changed the whole form format of how their cells are laid out in their system, which does not allow you to parallel in series because of how their cell layout is. There's just so many moving parts that, especially when it comes to paralleling many smaller batteries together, that's why you do see when wiring in parallel, you know, folks have racks or one big battery because it eliminates basically any room for human error, which does happen, or it eliminates just, you know, failure points. It's 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 machine. You know, machine can fail if you don't take care of it or if you wire something wrong. So it's one of those things, just making sure you have all your uh, T's crossed and your I's dotted before you kind of jump into it. Um, you know, test the water before you do your camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it looks a lot nicer too. Right. I mean, uh, but I did just find out, and I I have to just share this because I didn't know. But the batteries they come with a with their own stand, and you can just mount them on the floor too. So if you right. wanted to either wait for a rack, a lot of server racks are back ordered right now. Like there's okay. just yeah, there's back orders on those uh, specifically. I, I've looked. <laughs> I've tried, yeah, same. I've yeah. definitely not Google. Yeah, I have. I, you know, there's a couple of different various sources. And people have asked, you know, what are the different ways that I can mount these batteries? Uh, and pretty much any way except for upside down. Yeah. That is a response on that. But uh, no, if you had, uh, if you're building a rack or you needed something in the interim, or maybe if you were expanding your system over time, you can start with a, a lower capacity then maybe you need at the end, but just get a couple of batteries and maybe you don't get the full fledged rack right away. Right. You know, having the, the floor stands is a great way for people to be able to, you know, not necessarily have to foot the bill for the, the whole, you know, kit and caboodle right away, but it gives them the ability to, you know, take steps towards the full system goals, which yeah. 
But it's always going to make it easier in the end. Do you take that approach of usually using like the minimum size and do you see a lot in your business? So it's adding on at a later date? Because I know with lithium, you can usually have like a one year grace period Mm -hmm. from like you're energizing to when you can do that. Do you have a lot of folks do that here? We're finding that more people are, to be honest, they're just going for it. They know that they can, but they're finding that instead we convey that, hey, this is the minimum that you need. And, you know, this is what you actually need. And generally, we're seeing that instead of going for just the minimum, they are increasing their system size. And so we haven't, uh, we've seen people expand onto their systems, but not not as much in the interim because they're going, they're taking our recommendation and going larger from the get-go because they know that that's what they already need. They are already starting the installation. Uh, From our standpoint, most of our customers want to just, get it done now they're afraid that they may not be able to get product down the road which uh, is a huge concern Uh, a lot of people that we talk to on a regular basis are these items in stock how quickly can i get them are we looking at months or is it weeks and usually they're pretty happy to know like yeah within a few weeks you'll have it um you know it takes x amount of days to get it prepared and then x amount of days to transfer it uh we're for the transit Um, and some, there are some lead times, but for the most part, everything's, everything's pretty fluid. I mean, there, there are several options for them to take a look at and uh, you know, you have to build the whole solar system anyways, before you drop in the batteries. So even if the batteries do have a few week lead time, it's generally okay because they have to install the whole rest of the system first and then they just drop in the storage aspect. So uh we're pretty fortunate that most of our customers are are happy and very flexible they're just they're happy to be able to order it and know that they're getting the right materials and that now's a good time to invest just because you know the biggest one would be the federal itc tax credit you know 26 percent for the cost of this that's a quarter of the system that the federal government for solar and it includes solar batteries. So that may be a big thing on why you're seeing a lot of folks kind of jumping in, you know, head first because they are able to take 26% um, because as you you and I know, it's going to step down from 26 to 22, 22, right? 22 and then 22 to nothing. Right, I'm pretty sure 22 is the last year. I you I believe you are correct on that. Um, so we'll be having next year. So 2023 yeah. and then after that, so in 2024. It sounds so futuristic, to, yeah. to be honest. But yeah, you're right. Um, it will see. I mean, there was a push uh, to have them re-extend it. I don't right. know if we'll see that. Uh, but really, we're, we're seeing a lot of people that already have solar that want to add in um, storage. Yeah. So there's new systems. It can almost be looked at in almost like two segues, uh, excluding commercial, because that's a whole other part it of it. Is, but it for residential, it's if you have existing solar uh, and you want to add storage, right. or if it's a brand new system and you are looking at grid tie plus storage or battery ready. Right. There's there's a small pocket that's, I want to be grid tied forever. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And never have batteries. But for us, uh, we're seeing that less and less. Uh, Most everyone wants to have power if and when the utility goes out, even if they're not in a problematic area. So it's it's very exciting. Another random fact for you. So the National Oceanic Atmospheric Association published a new weather report outlining the average Atlantic hurricane season. Um, So it's numbers like your number of named storms, number of hurricanes, and the number of major hurricanes. Well, the number of named storms went up from like five named storms per season to seven. 
you know, the number of hurricanes went from three to four. Now, the number of major hurricanes is still consistent at like two or three, but it's always that, you know, that once every 500 year storm is almost happening every year now. You know, in my home state of New Jersey and Pennsylvania, where New Jersey's a great state for solar because of the SREX, because right. you're getting so much money for the installation. Pennsylvania has a very strong grid. That's where you have a lot of grid tie installations because of net metering. Not only do we have the whole utility side that we spoke about earlier, but storms coming right up the coast. You know, once a season, I mean, our, our poor folks down in Puerto Rico basically have a yearly hurricane that they're dealing with now, which comes right up the coast. Yeah. And, you know, we saw what happened in the Carolinas. Um, it comes usually up right into like the Massachusetts area. And, you know, I've been affected by Hurricane Sandy when that hit New, New Jersey. I remember I didn't have power for a week. You know, and I was huddling up near my fireplace trying to stay warm. It's a, it's a real problem. It really is. It's crazy. Yeah, I I didn't see that report actually. That That's is really good. fascinating. I mean, uh, just recently, too, not to you know make it too sad about the weather, but we did have the climate uh, change report come out recently too, which was uh, pretty dire. I mean, I think there there's a lot of opportunity that can be taken from that as well. Right. Uh, there's a lot of solution based problem solving uh, that we can all as uh, humanity and indiv uh, individually do uh, in reducing our reliance on fossil fuels is one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's a big push for just at the uh, climate to prevent, you know, more storms like that from happening. So it's yeah. really one of the reasons. Uh, and then just, you know, being able to have your own preparedness. Yeah. Speaking to prepared, what would you recommend to somebody looking to get solar and batteries? Like, what things should they have prepared to then work with you? You know, is there like a checklist of three to five things that you'd say, well, before we speak on the phone, I need three things from you, right? I need like your location. I want to know what you want backed up in an outage. Hot tub, I wouldn't say is the number one, okay. <laughs> but for some number people, two, number three. So, <laughs> yeah, some people might think so, but I, uh, you know, and that's great. Uh, really, there are some very specific pieces of information that you need to know when you're sizing a backup system. Is uh, one, uh, where are you located? Uh, you know, and uh, where's this? Where's the storage part going to be located? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be outside or inside? Right. Do you have a designated spot for it? And it may seem like a kind of an afterthought, like, oh, well, let's size the system first and figure out where it's going to go after. But you want to make sure that the solution you go with, the temperature rating is fine, right. the physical size is fine, as well as the capacity. Um, and this isn't in order necessarily, but uh, really knowing what loads you want to back up. Mm. I mean, you can have realistic expectations and have a pretty moderate system, fridge, freezer, lights, uh, and then you go to fridge, freezer, lights plus wall pump. Uh, you know, some uh, some areas do an air conditioning unit right. is a critical load. Right. If it's up getting up, you know, over a hundred degrees on a regular, consistent basis, then yeah, that would be uh, considered a critical load. Uh, any medical devices and um, really seasonal year-round, often you lose power. And and really then it's, you know, is it backup only or are you going to be doing time of use? Because the that distinguishing factor, there's some other, this just uh, from an application standpoint, there's some like tricks uh, that you can do, not tricks, but um, like having the uh, smart panel uh, would be helpful. Load controls would be helpful. And time of use is is going to be every day versus backup system. If you're only using it a few times a year, that's all when you need it. Yeah. 
I guess that goes at least on the battery side. You know, I think you hit it so well, knowing your load profile, because proper sizing is a big deal with batteries, especially with lithium, because you know a lot of these warranties that they have, it's a 10-year warranty at 8,000 cycles for Fortress, for example. But this is dependent on you sizing your system correctly with the inverter and the solar and the and the those critical loads that you want power. So always on the battery side, I'm always kind of um, sorry about that, by the way, but yeah, I'm always saying, you know, proper sizing is the first step because that's going to basically um, not make or break, but it's going to determine your system longevity. You know, how many life cycles are you getting out out of it? Most batteries have a 10 year warranty. Most panels have a 25 year warranty, hmm. but those not on the panel side, but the battery number can change based on how you're using it, based on the temperature, energy throughput, a lot of these values that maybe should be talked about more um, that aren't currently, quite honestly. But. Yeah, well, we're talking about it now. And sure. then, uh, you know, we've uh, certainly got a lot of follow-up information from Fortress's right. website, uh, eCorrect. We are consistently uh, posting about uh, battery storage, right. sizing, uh, doing webinars, um, which, you know, you're a part of as well earlier this year. And uh, I think that's really where it comes from. Ed educating uh, both installers, homeowners, here's the realistic expectations. And you're probably not going to do it super cheap and do it well. <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and while you probably can for some things, if it's going to be a completely integrated system with your home, it should be known it's not going to be $5,000 to do everything that you right, need. Right. Um, and I think that just uh, letting people know, hey, you know, this is what you can expect. And here's how you grow into it. And this is, you know, this is all the right information right. and there's a bunch of solutions though so right. you can kind of you know pick your tract and you know pick your manufacturer we hope that you pick fortress we hope you pick a direct to buy from <laughs> at the end of the day you know we want to make sure that we're getting the right components right, right. um and you know that's it was what makes it fun you brought up an interesting point and you know your newsletter just flashed in my mind about the financing options right because yeah. you know that's one part of the puzzle i think that's finally coming um, more mainstream is utilizing financing from companies like Dividend or Good Leap or Mosaic, Enerbank, whatever that is, whether you're an installer or you're the end user. So again, it's one of the, it's another avenue where you don't need to pay cash over a fist to really get your investment in the ground, right? It's one of those things where you know, you'd rather have it and not need it, especially with energy storage and a grid backup scenario. But yeah, I'd rather at least you take advantage of some financing options with these companies instead of going all out to what you said and having to pay whatever that cost is for a very large battery for your off-grid home or your home. So those financing options are another good avenue, at least, to just help get, get those folks from no solar and battery to solar minimum. You know, then you can add that battery later. That's, you know, that's a good point. One thing that I haven't done actually recently is and I'm sure that you'd, you'd probably tack on maybe a year or two from your ROI by doing financing, especially if you just did it for the battery portion of right, it, right. because you'll end up being able to, especially if you're in an area that has time of use, uh, and depending on the storage system you go with, you can do the uh, cost per kilowatt hour right. and see your return for like offsetting your peak loads. And if you're paying 4% APR for X amount of time, it's probably... Most solar financing tends to be a little bit shorter too, um, uh, but let's say that it's like two or three years. 
really, most of our OIs in California, you know, are five to eight if you're doing a pretty large size storage. Yeah. So even if you pushed it out a little bit further, it's still actually, you're, you can track and you can measure your ROI. Right, right. Um, uh, energy tool base will probably be a good one once a once we get in added, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Coming soon. Coming soon. Coming at you. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's definitely something, at least with financing, and you know, we have tools on Fortress to help, you know, installers and end users not only size their 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 home for like off-grid or backup, but also for, you know, when I moved from Pennsylvania, I did pick out my rate plan and I'm paying five to eight PM. I am paying you know, instead of 25 cents a KW, maybe it's 50 cents. In San Diego, just south of here in Carlsbad, it may be 65 cents a KW during these peak times. So I think this will continue to see this. And I think that's where the real value of a battery recovery, especially managing time of use. And then, you know, in areas like Georgia, where they're starting to adopt that, or Delaware, or even maybe in New Jersey, I did hear rumors about it. I think that's where we'll see a lot of folks wanting to do a more you, know, you not only have backup, but you'll also be able to get some money back on your battery system. And financing does not hurt that payback, especially with yeah. some of these batteries. 10-year warranty, 8,000 cycles. If you do the math with one cycle a day, which would be, you know, you're fully charged to discharge to back charge. It's like 15, 17, 20 years of life. So the warranties on these products are 10 years, certainly. But depending on how you use it, again, it can be much longer can be much longer, especially if that manufacturer is using tier one products from the cell type to the enclosure, to the BMS, to, you know, obviously the inverter partners and uh, those other sizing partners. That they have, so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but really it is too. And, you know, with more and more people buying EV vehicles, there's a lot of right. charging stations popping up too. But when there is a larger outage, it affects everything. Right. You know, so it's like all the charging stations, you know, those may not be available to you. Having some power and well, you know, the goal wouldn't be to just be recharging one battery necessarily with the other one. As so, you know, it's available in a pinch. And if you need to be able to go, you can use your PV system, your battery storage system to uh, keep the lights on, keep the internet on, your, your fridge, freezer lights. And then also on a day to day, reduce the amount that you're paying. Exactly. And the utilities are not always, they do not have our best interests at heart all the time. They are looking to make money and more and more people getting solar. You know, they're doing what they have to do. So we're going to just see it continue to be a, banner year and next nine years yeah next nine years well just like solar did in the price of solar and modules over the past five ten years decrease and i believe we'll see that same trend with batteries and you know great things take time Rome was not built in a day so no it's not going to be in the next year that these battery prices are going to be very competitive but the sooner you invest you already have that option there and then you'll have that knowledge when you have that knowledge you can then make better decisions in the future as those battery prices come down and then you can adjust your needs and then you can adjust your home. And then, you know, it kind of just rolls it in from there. It's like when you purchase a car, right? You purchase a car and it's a very brutal purchase to start. But, you know, when you're 100,000 miles in or 150, you're definitely happy you took care of it. You put in a extra, little extra money up front to, for that vehicle because you definitely don't want to buy a lot. I mean, that's 100% true. And, you know, you brought up a really good comment that before we wrap up here, I really want to hear your thoughts on because customers ask all the time, well, shouldn't I just wait? Aren't pricing, isn't the price for batteries going to come down? Isn't better technology on the horizon? And isn't it something that I should just hold out for? 
what do you think? I mean, like, really, I mean, I have my own thoughts on it, but I'm sure, curious, you know, sure. from a from well, your standpoint. It's, it's a very fair question. And, you know, I think anybody, when they're looking at things through their home, we're all trying to save, especially with how the economy is nowadays because of other factors that we won't delve into here. But it's one of those things where you'd rather have it and not need it, like I said earlier, you know, and taking advantage of some of these incentives that they have now, whether you're in California and you're taking advantage of the self-generation incentive program, I uh, do want to say for folks out there, there's a very good um, uh, incentive tool that you can look at depending on what state that you're in. It's called desire.org. It's D-S-I-R-E period O-R-G. And it gives you many different incentives and rebate programs depending on what Mm -hmm. state you're in. So, you know, even... Anybody can go in there and see, okay, what state has good incentives? Where can I leverage these incentives? Because the sooner that you wait, I mean, maybe you need it before you want to wait in eight years in 2027, right? You're not going to always have time. What if you do need something and you don't have anything? Um, And again, it's that knowledge aspect of it. The sooner that you know about it and learn about it, then you know, okay, this is the communication or this is the technology I want to work with moving forward. And this is how I'm going to adjust my approach when batteries are extremely cheap in 2029, you know? You know, I wonder if they are going to be as cheap or if it's, uh, you know, I, to me, I, I mean, I look at the technology now and it supports the, the use application. It really does. So from a communication standpoint, is it going to get easier? Maybe. But we're actually seeing kind of it becoming a little bit more complicated because of the level of complexity, which is fun. There's going to be an adoption rate and, you know, everyone's going to get on board and get educated and learn uh, how to install and manage their energy usage more. But um, I think it's more important than ever to if you have the means and you have the need Really, like the time, the timing is right now. Right. Um, holding out for better technology, uh, it could happen, and you know maybe it's at a, a lower cost. But if the technology keeps going up, you know it's it's hard to it it would be hard to quantify right. if the level of communications and everything that's really going to be added into it is also going to drive the cost lower. That's super well said, and it's even tough for me to say on the manufacturer, like, what is the battery chemistry going to be in the next five years or nine years if we're thinking, or eight years technically, if we're thinking towards the end of the decade? The chemistry could be completely different, thus making that Department of Energy analysis null if the new technology being adopted is still as expensive or more expensive than what the current options are. I mean, this is all a theoretical <laughs> yeah. liberation, yeah. but still, though, you never know. I mean, lithium iron phosphate 10 years ago is definitely not the beast that it is today. Um, so lithium iron phosphate in the next 10 years, maybe, maybe not. There's definitely going to be advances in the technology, the communication. Um I don't know. I think you just have to you have to pull all your data. You, know, you have to get all of your data and, and really make a, a knowledgeable or well informed decision on am I doing this or am I not? You know, or am I starting small? Am I expanding? Um, I you know in my own life I always figured you know waiting just it never ended up working out for me as I thought when I waited for something to happen. When I waited for this to happen, something else usually took place, and then I got lost in that. So I don't know. If you wait. You never know. That's, that's not, the beauty of the future. You never know. Yeah, that's true. I said carpe, uh, carpe diem. Carpe diem. Yeah. Yes. 
But, uh, you know, the, and the timing is right now, um, you know, with at least in the state of California, we're seeing the sense of urgency Definitely. with having energy security. Definitely. And if you're going to have a store solar on your house, you may as well be able to store the own power that you're producing. Right. Power of your car, reduce your reliance on the utility and just not pay as much money right. every single month. So, you know, I'm for today, having been, you know, seen the past 10 years, I'm really excited about the next 10 and uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Um, but we're going to have to have you back soon to talk about uh, commercial and all the different avenues that we have. You guys have some really cool yeah. uh, monitoring capabilities coming up too. So uh, well, hopefully I can bring back some more of those uh, lovely Hawaiian shirts for some of the team members here yeah. at EcoDirect. Yes, I think you'll, you'll have to. <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, thank you again, Alex at Lapora Fortress Power. Uh, it was great having you on today and certainly a lot of fun. Renee, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to coming back. Well, absolutely. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. <laughs>